Hello, and once again, thank you for taking the time out of your busy day, and I welcome you to the Man Cave Huddle, sponsored by nobody. <laughs> um, thank you for uh, taking your time out, like I just said, to just sit with me and listen to me, and you know, let me just talk about some thoughts that I have on my head. Um, I just wanted to say, you can find the Man Cave Huddle at soundcloud.com backslash the Man Cave Huddle, all one word. We are efforting to upload these episodes onto iTunes, so hopefully sooner than later, you'll be able to find these episodes on iTunes. So in saying that, um, a lot of interesting things happened this past weekend in the world of sports, entertainment, and lifestyle. Uh, one of them happened on Friday, and I want to talk about Des Bryant, a former wide receiver of the Dallas Cowboys. And I say former because... On Friday morning, he had a meeting with Dallas Cowboy ownership where he was informed that um, his services will no longer be needed as a wide receiver of the Dallas Cowboys. So pretty much they told him, like, they, they, they did the typical, like, make you show up to work to tell you you fired. Like, they couldn't have, well, if they would have called him, I'm sure it would have been like, well, they can't be professional enough to at least have him come in. But, Dag, man, it's like he showed up to work. He was probably in the gym working out. Hey, Dez, man, you want to come up and talk to me for a minute? Yeah, what's going on, boss? Um, You out, man. Peace. Later. Uh, excuse me? Yeah, man. Uh, that $12.8 million that you do next year, yeah, doesn't really uh, factor into our equation next year. And the production that you've been having over the past couple of years really doesn't warrant that type of contract. So they probably just said, um, deuces, later. So, um, I mean, when you look at his stats over the past couple of years, you kind of do see where the Cowboys are coming from. I mean, his best years, he had a three-year run in 2012 to 2014, where he was arguably the best, if not considered one of the best receivers. I mean, his 1,000-yard seasons were those years where he was 1382, 1233, and 1320 in terms of yardage production over those years. And ironically, the three double-digit touchdown receiving years he had were those years also where he went 12, 13, and 16. And in 2014, he led the league in touchdown receptions with 16. But ever since then, you know, um, he hasn't had a thousand yard season nor cracked double digits for receiving touchdowns. And that 12.8 million, I mean, to me, that's the equivalent of saying, um, I'm going to Target, but I'm buying a $200 pair of jeans. Excuse me? I mean, you go into Target and you're buying a pair of jeans for like $20. And those are going to be the everyday jeans. Whereas opposed to if you go to like, you know, Gucci or Macy's or, or you know, a, a, a store where you know, do I have this money on the card? That's where you know, okay, I might buy some true religion jeans. I might buy some Gucci jeans for $200. But Des Bryant is thinking he's like Macy's material where he's really like, Target material right now. And, uh, you know, he's just not worth that amount of money. Can he still play? I believe he can still play. He still has gas in the tank. He still has enough game, but he's just not a worth that amount of money. He's not a number one receiver. What he is, is he is the nice second receiver to a superior talented number one receiver. You know, so it's like Des Bryant is not a good route runner. What he is, is he is the, all right, man, I'm just going to throw it up. You go get a big fella. He's tall, he's big, and he's physical. And that helps when you have a supremely talented receiver on the other side. 
Where is he going to land? I mean, nowadays, a lot of teams have good two-receiver combos. But one team in just on the strength of the culture that they have and the type of uh, personality that Des Bryant has, I'm not saying he's going to go there. But in my opinion, and this is my opinion only, so I don't want you thinking like I have any inside information. Although I do have insiders. Not money playing. But um, I think he could go to a team like Seattle. Seattle doesn't care what type of personality you have. They just care about one thing, winning. And all the nonsense that you do off the field, as long as you bring that passion on the field, they don't really care. So all his screaming on the sideline, fighting with coaches and yelling at players, they do that now in Seattle. So for them, it's just going to be another person that is more part of the culture that they already have. So they, they tend to bring in veterans and players that can still play. And, you know, with you know Russell Wilson running around, I'm sure Dez can find an open space in the secondary at some point. And I know um, Seattle, they released Sher um, Sher Richard Sherman and Bennett. But Sherman, as good as he was, is another case of somebody where he got injured, he tore his Achilles, and at his age, that contract was not warranted um, someone of that production. And in terms of Bennett, Although he was very productive and still one of the best at his position, that, in my opinion, was a situation of him being a little bit outspoken in the realm of political conversation. Also, mix in a little bit of, let's keep it real, Seattle is rebuilding because they're going to lose Cliff Avril and Dave uh lost another uh, defensive lineman. I forgot his name at this point in time. But what I'm saying is, is that they're trying to rebuild as well as try it and cut these guys that are making a lot of money. And those are two guys that were making a lot of money. And in my opinion, I feel that's why they got rid of them. And that could that potentially could be a good landing spot for Dez. Dez is from Texas. Maybe he might want to go to Houston, Texas. That's a team that could probably use another wide receiver to go with the stud that they have uh, on Houston. Now, um, moving along, we all know that, you know, with spring, it's, it's the time of the season right now where in the league, where, in one of the leagues where they play, football is the NBA, and the NBA playoffs have begun, and then this past weekend, there were a lot of interesting outcomes. Now, as of now, the best game to have taken place was between the Bucks and the Celtics. It was game one in Boston. It was a 113-107 victory by the Celtics. But, I mean, you know people that sit there and say, I don't like the NBA. All you got to do is watch the last five minutes, and that's the entire game. And you know what? I hate to say it, but that was the case with this Celtic-Bucks game. I mean, the, the Bucks came out, and they took control of this game by halftime. And the start of the second half, they really had things moving. And um, the, the Celtics tried and true, Brad Stevens being a great coach, there was a scenario at the end of the game where the, the the Bucks were up by three. Terry Rozier has this sick crossover, step back, looks at the defender and says, watch how I do this. Splack out, right in your mouth. Takes a three-point lead, right? Hits the three to take a three-point lead. I think it was like half a second, 0.5. Let me show you how much, how long 0.5 seconds is. That's how long 0.5 seconds is. 
The the Bucks had 0.5 seconds. They inbound. The guy catches it damn near by half court and just flings it up in the air like, I'm wet! And it goes in! It went in, I tell you. One of those shots where if you were at like a formal function, even the woman that don't even care about sports would be like, girl, did you see that? Oh, my God. He hit it with 0.5 seconds left. Tied the game, send it into OT. In saying that, uh, the Celtics took control in OT and they wound up winning that game in overtime. I mean, that's a huge victory for the Celtics. Like I said in episode one, you got to check out episode one. Go on SoundCloud.com backslash the Man Cave Huddle. Please check out that episode. Uh, you know, without Gordon Hayward, without Kyrie, and you have Jalen Brown, who's a very, very talented, good young player, but for him to just be thrown in the fire and Jason Tatum, a rookie, to be thrown in the fire. You know, to me, I call it the Jimmy Butler treatment, where Jimmy Butler, he's a perennial all-star player now, was on the Chicago Bulls, and is currently on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Due to injury one year, damn near everybody on the Bulls roster was hurt to the point where Jimmy Butler, as a rookie, had to play the entire game. When I say the entire game, they literally had so many players hurt, they couldn't afford they didn't have anybody as a backup for him to come out. So it was like, look, man, we don't even care if you make mistakes because if you do, we have nobody to replace you. So just go in there and do what you do. And that kind of, I think, developed his skill, his toughness, and his tenacity. And I know for me, I only learn by doing. So, you know, I can only make mistakes and grow and learn from them, which I'm going to do in this podcast. But I think to me, that's the best way to learn. And Jimmy Butler's an all-star by doing that. And Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, two very talented young players for Boston, they're going to get that too. And now you you mix in a little bit of Al Horford, you, you get a returning Kyrie, and you get a, a Gordon Hayward. I'm going to tell you right now, it might not be a big three out in Boston. It might not be a big four out in Boston. It might be a, dare I say, a fab five out in Boston. But, you know, that that that's neither here nor there. That, in my opinion, was the best game that took place in terms of uh, excitement level. Uh, you know, the Thunder, they took care of the Jazz 116-108. It was exciting at the beginning, uh, but, you know, it just really didn't um, have any, any substance. Thunder had control of that game the entire time. Donovan Mitchell, that astounding, astounding rookie I was telling you about, 27 points, 10 assists. Paul George just chipped in with a little 36-point effort. Like, yo, take that, rookie. This is what it's really like. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, Rockets. Rockets take that game 104-101. It was a 44-point effort by James Harden. Do I think that the Rockets are going to win this series? Yeah, but I thought it was a lot harder in game one. And I think the Timberwolves could really take a lot. Only losing by three to a team where I'm sure people thought that this was going to be a 20-point uh, margin of victory every game. Can they win this series? I don't think the Timberwolves can, but they could damn for sure make it real, 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 real interesting. Now, um, there's this game that took place, and I saved it for last. It's not the best game, so I'm not saying I saved the best for last, but let's talk about LeBron James and those Cleveland Cavaliers taking an L to the Indiana Pacers. And Victor, uh-oh, Depot. I mean, look, man. I was at an event, a family event, but I was listening to this game on the radio. 
and I'm driving and I'm in the car and I'm listening to it and then they go to break and they're like, yes, as the uh, Pacers take a, uh, I think it was like an 18 to 4 lead and they went to commercial break and I was like, what? I was like, let me check my phone for that. Did they say Indiana or was that Cleveland that should have the lead? I mean, this was a game where from the tip of the wall till the final seconds, Cleveland never had the lead. It was the Indiana Pacer game, the entire game, led by Victor Oladipo. He had 32 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. I mean, LeBron James chipped in with a nice little 24 point, 10 rebounds, 12 assists, triple-double. But what does that have to do when you lose 98 to 80? Yeah, you heard me. The Pacers scored 98 points and Cavaliers 80. Let me tell you what the score was after the first quarter. 33 to 14, Pacers. Now, if we play NBA Live, that sounds like NBA Live. Like, I'm playing on the PlayStation, the Xbox or something, and score after the first quarter is 33-14. LeBron James is the best player in the damn game right now. How do you only score 14 points in the first quarter and you got the best player in the damn league on your team? I don't get that at all, man. And you know what? Do I think the, the Cavaliers can win this series on the strength of having LeBron James? Yes, but... I will say this, Cleveland has some serious problems because they don't have a second player that could really support LeBron and really provide points. And I mean, significant 15 point at least per game. You think that would be Kevin Love, but with Kevin Love now playing um, center and Tristan Thompson going on the bench, I'm going to talk about my man Tristan Thompson in a minute. My man. But anyway, um, with Kevin Love being the center, it does not allow him to be on the perimeter to shoot the threes, which he's capable of doing. Being the center, he's more now underneath the rim in the post area. He's boarding. He got 17 rebounds, but the point production is where he's suffering. And it's saying that if LeBron James doesn't have a guy that can support him with the scoring, how can he take a break? Because it's almost like Yesterday doesn't count because they were, it just felt like the entire game they were down by 18 points. And when they got it to single digits in the fourth quarter, it was like LeBron James can't score every point. And if he doesn't, it feels like the, the Cavaliers just can't score. I mean, when he was in Miami, he had Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. Last year and the past couple of years, when he was going to the finals and he won one, he had Kyrie where he could take a break and, all right, Kevin Love and Kyrie could get busy and hold it down and I could get a break. But now who does he have? There's nobody on that team. Where it's like if he, he could have a 10-point lead, sit on the bench, have a sip of water, and two threes, and all of a sudden it's a one-point lead, and, yo, LeBron, yo, bro, we need you, man. Get back. Yo, I just said, yo, I know, bro, I know. Just, yo, come on, man. We need you. It's going to be... Uh, I think the experience of LeBron James, and right now, he's probably watching tape every damn play, every everything, making sure that he gets his team up to speed, knowing what they didn't do or what they need to do. I think I still think the Cavs could win. It's just going to be way harder than they thought. Because I'll tell you this much, I, I started watching, listening to the game in the car, and I got home and I saw the second half, and I was watching the second half, and I saw the final buzzer, and watching LeBron James get up and walk into the locker room and just not even dap anybody up or, you know, just 
We lost, but we're going to get him. He walked back into the locker room with a type of walk where if I was one of the players or even like one of the coaches, I'd be upon that like, oh, man, yo, I really don't want to go back into the locker room because I can't say anything back to LeBron. And it's going to be a bunch of, y'all are a bunch of, y'all are, you sorry bunch of, you play like, man, you just, uh, and it's just going to be one of those, look, don't talk to me like that. I can talk to you however when you, however way I want to talk to you. I, I think that's what a lot of that conversation in the locker room went after the game. It, 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 was, uh, it wasn't a pretty game. And like I had said a couple minutes ago, Tristan Thompson, I wanted to talk to him, uh, talk about him for a minute. Um, look, I want this show to be uh, liked and loved by, you know, obviously my diehard sports fans, sports fans in general, my men, my women, uh, you know, kids alike. I don't want this show to be a show that's relegated on gossip and hearsay and what goes on off the court. I want you to listen to know if it's not impacting the game, I'm not really going to talk about it. So all that stuff off the court is not going to... Uh, does it interest me personally? But in saying that, I don't know if you guys have heard. Um, I think this impacts the game in this way and what's going on with Tristan Thompson. Because there's a butt. And Tristan Thompson is dealing with a big butt right now. We all know that he recently had a baby from one of the Kardashians, Khloe Kardashian. And... He had the baby a couple days after it was released or and there was video that he had cheated on her and he there's video of him at some hookah lounge like with two girls all over him and one of them kissing him and pretty much it's just not a good look. And for me, he was warned by LeBron James like, look, don't date this girl if you still want to be on the team. And he continued to date her. LeBron James banned her family, I guess, from uh, attending the games to where Tristan had to buy tickets and have them sit in the crowd. Because, you know, what it's like with the Kardashians, they just bring a lot of energy that is, I don't want to say unwanted energy, but it's just every little thing you do brings a sideshow to it. And I wonder if that affected why Tristan Thompson didn't play. Now, it was a blowout, and Tristan Thompson really comes into the game to provide energy, rebounding, and good defensive pressure. He's not really an offensive-type player. But the fact that, look, were they thinking, we don't want him to come in in a blowout and have that be part of the conversation in terms of why um, he is on the court and playing. And this is a side note, you know. Um, he only played two minutes, and it was in garbage time. And it was sad to see, man, because this is a guy that was part of the starting unit when they did beat the Golden State Warriors in the game, the epic Game 7 in um, Golden State. I mean, I, I will say this regarding Tristan Thompson's situation. When it comes to the Kardashians, and I'm going to get off this topic real quick. When it comes to that family, there's two things that I believe. I do believe that there is a Kardashian curse. Because there are a lot of guys that get with them that are professional athletes. And when they are not with those women afterwards, it's almost like a, a, a good pair of sneakers. And you use it to cut the grass. You wore it to the gym every day. You go jogging. And then a year later, them nice, icy, white, fresh pair of sneakers are like, oh, I think I need a new pair. And, I, you know, 
I mean, I, I don't want to talk junk, but it's like, you know, you look at Lamar Odom, NBA All-Star, top talent with the Lakers, got with Khloe Kardashian. He had a substance abuse problem, and he's dealing with it, and he's gotten the help that he's needed, and he's recovering, and things are looking better for him. Chris Humphreys, he had married uh, Kim Kardashian. It feels like for literally, it was like a hot minute, but he wasn't a star, but he was a solid player in the NBA. Could get you 10 and 10 coming off the bench. He was that like glue guy, as they say. He married her, and it's like, yo, where's Chris Humphreys at, yo? I don't even think he's in the league anymore. Um, the only guy that I could see that actually had any type of success was Reggie Bush because when he was dating Kim Kardashian was the year that the New Orleans Saints won the Super Bowl. And I think at that point, maybe the curse wasn't like in full effect. And maybe it was just budding and he just got out like in time or he got the Super Bowl and he was just like, all right, man, that's it, that's it, that's it. Yo, I got to go, I got to go. But anyway, um, you know, when you look at uh, Tristan Thompson and, and, and that curse, there's always something massive that happens to that family before a big storyline, right? Like Kim Kardashian got robbed in Paris. Um, um, alert, six weeks from now, I know Kim got robbed, but the new Kardashian season premiere will air on this date. Oh, really? Right? Isn't it always like um, the one daughter, I forgot her name, got pregnant. Yeah, my own series is premiering this Sunday on E. Oh, isn't that odd? So then Tristan Thompson, this video, and he blew up and, and broke internet with him cheating. And oh, yeah, two days later, Khloe Kardashian had her baby. Did they sit there and think that and know that the baby was coming any second? So we're going to leak this? I don't know. But all I know is that family always finds a creative way to put their name out there and things happen. I hope it works out with my man Tristan, but that's tough. That's tough. Now, moving along to um, another issue, um, it's not an issue more so, but it's more so a player, Kwahi Leonard. Kwahi Leonard, if you don't know, is a small forward. He plays for the San Antonio Spurs. He is a very, very, very good player. He is a one of, if not the second, well, I would say he's the best two-way player, pause, in the NBA, and that he's a great offensive player, and he's a great defensive player. There aren't that many of those. Most players are good at one thing. Either I'm a really good offensive player and an okay defender, or I'm a great defensive player and an okay offensive player. He's both. I mean, this guy won Defensive Player of the Year twice, okay? Two years. In 2014 and 2015, back-to-back, -back, he was Defensive Player of the Year. In 2014, he won the NBA Finals Most Valuable Player, d up LeBron James, okay? So he's not the guy that's going to give you 50-point um, efforts and whatnot, but He's the type of guy where he can give you a nice, solid 20 points, 25 points a game. Uh, he could give you, you know, five rebounds, a couple assists, maybe a steal. But it's his defense. Now, he's injured his quad muscle. And he came into the season thinking, all right, I'm going to miss a handful of games. And then a handful turned into 20, turned into the half the season, turned into he just played nine games. And then now they're saying not only is he out, for the rest of the season, he's out for the playoffs. I mean, he's their best player, and he's done for the playoffs. Let me tell you something. I don't have any inside information, in my opinion. I think there's a lot going on there. He's saying he's hurt. The team is saying he's cleared to play. I'm not going to sit there and say, if a player says, I'm hurt, you need to play. If a player says, yo, I'm hurt, I'm not in his body, 
and the amount of money that these teams are investing in players and the amount of money that these guys are making, I don't think they're going to sit there and fake an injury and not play and just collect the money. So I will side on the player when you're talking about an injury because I don't know what their pain threshold is like. But in saying that, um, I think that Kwahi Leonard and the San Antonio Spurs, this situation could end in a divorce, meaning that he gets traded in the offseason to a team, and dare I say, dare I say, he goes to a team in the Eastern Conference, and he goes to a team like the Boston Celtics, right? Now, didn't I just say they had Tatum, Jalen Brown, they had Gordon Hayward, Kyrie, Al Horford. If you add a Kwahi Leonard to the Celtics, that is so disrespectfully, disgustingly laden with so much talent. I mean, that's just like, I believe I have words for how talented that team would be. I mean, this team right now is getting busy and half their talent is on bench hurt. And you add a Kwahi Leonard into that, oh my goodness gracious. Oh, my goodness gracious. But uh, it's a shame what's going on out there because I think Kwahi Leonard is a really good player. But um, I just feel that he's the type of guy where he doesn't say a lot. He talks a lot. And the fact that he's not talking, it, 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 it just leaves you dumbfounded. So uh, hopefully that that winds up well for um, the Spurs and for my man Kwahi. But if it doesn't, you know, in the end, I hope he's happy with where he may wind up playing. Now, another team that I wanted to talk about and another series I didn't mention was uh, a game between the Washington Wizards and the Toronto Raptors. Now, when you talk about the Toronto Raptors, that's a team where I really am not, I don't have a lot of faith in that team. And the reason why I don't have a lot of faith in that team, because the Raptors are just, they, they look good, but they just never end up winning, man. The big game, you know. And on Saturday, on Friday night, I can't front. They wound up showing up and playing like they did in the in the, the regular season with the 114-106 victory over the Wizards. And that's a series where I can see it going seven and not only going seven. I can see the Wizards actually stealing this series because that's how lack of faith I have in the Wizards. But when you talk about the Wizards, there's this I'm, this could be a, a, a whole show, but I'm just going to say one thing. They put That's a, t a team where how much farther do they go with the roster that they have? Because Bradley Beal is a great young uh, shooting guard. John Wall, Saturday night, 23 points, 15 assists, and a loss. He's one of the top guards in the NBA. But now you look at the other guys. You look at Otto Porter. Otto Porter got 104 Hold on. Let me just say that slowly. Hold on. Don't, don't, a hundred and four million dollars from the Wizards. A hundred and four. If you don't know Otto Porter, I'm not saying Otto Porter is a bad player. He's a really good player, but a hundred and four, a hundred and four million dollars, bro. A hundred and four million dollars. In his NBA career, he's averaging 10.5 points a game. Yeah, for real, yo. 10.5 points a game. A he's getting like a million dollars a point, right? I mean, look, this past year, he's had a career high of 14.7 points per game. But for his career, he's only averaging 10. I mean, to invest that much money in a player like that. Like I said, I don't think Otto Porter is a bad player. But I think they could have gone in another direction and got the same production 
but not had to pay that same money because you paid Bradley Beal $100 million too. John Wall's contract is going to be up. You can't let him go because he's one of the best guards in the league. Now you're going to have almost, it feels like, $300 million when you sign John Wall tied up in three players. Where else do you go for the rest of your roster? And this is the eighth seed. And this is the roster now. If you're going to lock those guys up, are they going to win the NBA title? Because when you're paying three guys $100 million, they either A, got to be the team that's at the best or a team that is going to be winning NBA titles or in the finals every year. I mean, how do the Wizards do that? Who does that? Right? I mean, you know what that's like? That's like, look, man, you go out to like a, a party or you go out to like a, a lounge or a hookah bar or whatever, and your budget, let's say, is like $50. Like you paid for parking, you paid to get in, you're already in, and I'm talking about your drink. You, it, it, it's you and the fellas, right? And you pay for your own drinks, and you got $50 as a budget, right? And then you go in and you sit there and you splurge and buy, you know, five tequila shots for $40. Bruh, you only got $10 left. That's going to be that Bud Light. <laughs> That's going to be that Bud Light money that you have. Like, why would you do that? Like, if I if I wanted to buy all my, 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 my fellow shots, pause, I would be like, look, man, let me get some of that well vodka. Yeah, the ones that are like $3 a piece. Yeah, let me get, let me get some shots of those for the boys. I mean, that, that's just putting all your, your, your cookies in one basket. And I hope they're still sweet at the end because that, that's just a situation right there. So, um, you know, that's that, that's that with the NBA. I mean, if you care about what happened on Saturday, I'm sure you guys know the Warriors, they, they dumbfounded the Spurs and just, you know, gave them a two-piece in the biscuit, beat them 113-92. Um, 76ers with my man Ben Benjamin Button Simmons. They didn't give a two-piece in the biscuit to uh, the Heat. They gave them a nice filet mignon with mashed potatoes and gravy with some broccoli. And let's wash that down with a little Cabernet with a 130-103 destruction of the Miami Heat. I'll say this much. The Miami Heat, after that game, they should be known as the Miami Cold because that wasn't a good game at all. And uh, on, on Saturday, the best game was probably between the Pelicans and the Wizards. That was a 97-95 game. Came down to the last second, all dramatic and whatnot. You know, my man Dame Dollar Lillard, 18.7 rebounds, 7 assists. But it wasn't enough for Anthony the Brow Davis. Why do they call him the Brow? Google Anthony Davis, New Orleans Pelicans. The dude has a unibrow. But he's proud of it because he's literally, that's his nickname, the Brow. 35 points, 14 rebounds in that victory. So um, that was interesting in, in the weekend uh, NBA playoff games. But, you know, moving forward, we'll see what happens. Um, I want to uh, show and, and bring my audience a wide range of sports here. So let's talk about a little bit about baseball, MLB. For all my New York fans, the Mets, they have the second best record. And I should say the second best. Well, yeah, they have the second best. They are 12-2 and two right now. And the Boston... Red Sox, I would say, have the best record at 13-2. and two. I mean, the Angels are 13-3, but they have three losses. So that's why I say the Mets are better, although they have one loss, uh, one less win. But the Metsies, um, they weren't expected to be this good. Now, when you're talking about baseball, it's all about pitching. For all the people that don't know what pitching is, it's the guy on the mound, he throws the ball. Yeah, that's the pitcher. So the Mets, they have a lot of good young pitchers, and... Pitching is the heart and soul and the engine of a team. And if those pitchers don't get hurt, watch the Mets. They could go really, really, really far. Um, if you look at the Yankees, 
The Yankees are struggling right now, but that's only because they had a lot of players. They added, I don't want to say a lot of players that they added to their team, but Giancarlo Stanton, like I said, was the MVP in the National League, played in Miami, played in a dome, perfect condition. And he just needs time to get used to playing outside, not playing in perfect weather conditions, playing when it's cold, and getting used to the pitchers. So I think the Yankees will get better. But for right now, I know all the Yankee land and all the Yankee universe, they are clutching their pearls as the Yankees are on mere 7-7 seven seven after 14 games. To me, when you look at baseball, they play uh, every day, 160-some-odd games. So not every game matters as much as it would in, in football or basketball. So to me, I look at them, like after 20 games, when it dust settles, who is where after 20 games? And now you can begin to see who's good, who's not, what needs to be improved, and what teams are going to go in what specific direction. So for all those people that are baseball neophytes, after 20 games, look at that score and see what's going on in terms of the wins and losses. So thank you for listening to this episode of uh, the Man Cave Huddle. I appreciate you guys taking the time out, doing whatever, listening while you're doing laundry or you're just brushing your teeth right now or whatever. I, I, I appreciate the love. Um, let's end today. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before I end today, uh, I wanted to talk about something. So, over the, past, over the weekend, I went to a baptism, right? Baptisms are very, it, it, it looks like, like, baptisms could be very traumatic for kids, man. Like, you know, because it's, it, it, it's for, for those of you that don't know, when you get baptized, you know, it, it's washing away your sin and you're welcome into the world of, uh, uh, of God. And the Catholic Church, and what they do is some churches they dip the baby underneath the water, like literally submerge the baby in water. And I'm talking about babies that are a couple months old, and it's like they they they, they lift up the baby for everybody to see. And here's a little baby, and then all of a sudden they got like 30 people looking at them like, ooh, ah. And they're all scared, like, what is happening right now? Why is everybody? And then all of a sudden, they get submerged in the water, like, <laughs> and then you see the baby come up, like, I can't breathe. And the father, another one, boof, boof. And then, the, and, and then the son, and the baby's, like, trying to open up his eyes, water all up in his eyes, and then one last one, and then the Holy Spirit, <laughs> and then it's at that point. When the baby starts crying, like, that's it. No mas, man. No mas. And that's when the baby starts crying, like, yo, no more. I can't take the water. This water. And I'm like, yo, man, that must be very traumatic, right? The only two people you've seen in your life are your parents. And all of a sudden, now you're, like, butt-necking in front of all these strangers. And then they're dipping you underneath the water like you're a chick getting dipped in salsa or something. And then you're coming up, and then you start crying. And that's the only way to make people stop. Oh, it just looked awfully traumatic, man. I'm not saying that like it, 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 it was bad or anything like that, but I just felt bad for the babies, man. You know? Ooh, I just had to get that off my chest. Okay, so um, thank you for listening. So um, as you know, I, I like to end all my uh, episodes with a positive quote. So uh, today, I like to end off today's episode with you get what you focus on. So focus on what you want. Okay, you get what you focus on. So focus on what you want. So if you're not getting what you want, why don't you focus on what it is that you want and put your energy into that? Because what you think about, you bring about. Yeah, that's how I feel. So 
That's the positive quote. You get what you focus on. So focus on what you want. Thank you for watching the Man Cave Huddle. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.